I think you are totally off base on that. I completely disagree. You make a good point. You know what? I agree. Just a wee top of the morning to you, Billy. Oh my How God. you doing? I thought I was going to be the one to make the dumb joke first, but you know, here, here you are. Ah, top of the morning to you, Jesse. How, how well, we... it just so happens that it's around St. Patrick's Day. Oh, I don't really know how to do an Irish accent. All I know is that... <laughs> no, you no- clearly don't. Northern Irish. 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 <laughs> Thanks. Shout out to my, my boy, Cal, who... Uh, uh, does an incredible Northern Irish accent, and the only no words I know how to say in that accent are Northern Irish. Irish. <laughs> it sounds like you're saying oi, Irish. Well, my uh, my grandmother, she's actually from the country, so oh, it's nice. I have a very butchered accent, but it is based off of hers. It's, and it's... the way I actually found out about her accent, because she has an, a very American accent now, but at the time, when I was younger, she would actually, uh, her accent would get more vivid and more bright whenever she was angry so whenever she got angry and was started yelling at my mother for whatever she was doing in the kitchen it would suddenly become this fear uh fierce irish accent and that is where i got mine from <laughs> plus uh plus uh i have visited uh, my extended family over in cork and cove so for any listeners who are from that area hi i'm a Apparently from the Hatch region on my mother's mother's side. That sounds absolutely excellent. I uh, yeah. everything I hate about the English, I love about the the Irish. I love uh, <laughs> the food. Uh, I love the uh, drinking. You know the 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 drinking culture. Uh, you know I, I I I like. I hate the fact that I'm not Irish, and I thought I was for a long time. Uh, I was fairly convinced that somewhere in the strange, you know, proto-England, United Kingdom heritage I had, that somewhere in there, just maybe, I had a little bit Irish because it's just, it'd be so well, I cool. Got a story, I got a story for you. But no, guess uh, what? I'm French. And you know what's worse than, than being <laughs> English? French. Please, tell me your story. <laughs> well, I, I just love, it's like, well, what's being worse than being English? Hmm. French. Being French. No, not at all. I love the French. I think they're great. That makes one of us. Um, <laughs> so uh, I went, uh, to, I've been to Ireland many times. Uh, being in Scotland, it was very easy to go over, go for weekend trips and everything like that. Uh, but one time, right after the uh, London Olympics in 2012, my whole entire family went over to Ireland for like a full two week vacation uh in the middle of the summer and um we got this tiny little cottage airbnb it uh in the ring of Kerry uh that was right on the coast it was great view of the water in this tiny little town that only had like a pub and a post office and that was like the two things in the town (laughs) um and so we get to this house and we are talking the owners are there they're showing us around they're giving us the grand tour uh, showing us everything that we possibly could need to know about the property, especially that on windy days, we have to buckle down all of the furniture outside because it might blow away. Mm-hmm. Um, but as we're talking, we're chatting, eventually it comes up, well, what's your heritage? Are you here because you have family? And it's like, my mom speaks up. It's like, oh, we're part of the Dratty family. And the guy gets a really curious look on his face. 
he's very puzzled, but very bushy eyebrows that just furrow, and you're just like, oh, that is a sign of confusion. You have not heard this name before. Oh, no. So the whole time we continue, like the family continues talking to his wife, and I, I notice that he gets up, goes to the closet, takes out the yellow pages, uh, and comes back and sits down, and he's flipping through it, and it's like that perfect timing moment where, as a joke happens and the laughter hits and then it dies down, there's just that brief moment of silence where anyone can start to speak up, mm-hmm. and the guy speaks up, going, "My God, I don't believe it." There are two of them, and they're both named John. <laughs> and this is, of course, John Jr. and John Sr. Dratty, um, who are who inherited the Dratty shoe store in Cork. Uh, and those are my that's my extended family. Um, <laughs> so it was this whole thing of like this whole realization of this guy he's like I've never heard of this family and then suddenly there are two of them <laughs> oh my god this woman is not lying this crazy American is not lying I was gonna say it is it is uh, that is the first thing Americans should be met with abroad is skepticism um, oh yes actually is the, <laughs> is the Isle of Skye in Ireland or is Scotland it, is it Scotland is a, it is it. an isle, I, it's an island off the coast of Scotland however there is a lovely bridge that you can, so you're still able to drive to it okay excellent now I was just thinking about things I, I know about Ireland to contribute to the conversation and the only thing I could think of was was Cuchulain for the, immediately and I'm pretty sure the Isle of Skies in in that legend I don't you know I'm not caught up to date on my Celtic mythology, but, like, you know Kukulain? You, you familiar? I'm actually not. Oh, man, Kukulain's the the best. That guy is so cool. I, I won't get I won't turn this into the Kukulain podcast, but I could. Um, the reason <laughs> well, his so... name... Oh, sorry, I was going to say, his name comes from, uh, means Hound of Kulain, because he accidentally killed the guard dog of this Lord Kulain, and he's like, okay, shit, well, uh, I, as like, I think he was like eight, not even eight, he was lower, less than that. He's this child prodigy, and he's like, okay, you know what, I accidentally killed your dog, but I'll be your guard dog. He's like, okay, you're now Kulain. And he has this spear that, like, stabs people, and like, but it, like, spi- spikes out with, like, barbs that goes, in. it's so cool, it's, it's, it's spectacular. I highly recommend it. You sounded it. like the excited child, where it's like, he's got a spear that stabs people. No, it's, it's, it's like, like a stab, and it's stab, stab, and he, like, well, he, throws it with, he throws it with his foot, and then it, like, hits into the, into the, into his enemies, and it, like, brambles out, and they get, just get torn apart, and then he, like, he gets, he, he has this, like, hulk-out mode, where he can only be turned back by the power of being horny. Um, I, I wish I was kidding. This is, this is, it's <laughs> Is excellent. he Conan the Barbarian, the I mean, Irish version? I, I, you know, I, yeah. I'd have to check the literature. Um, no, I, I highly recommend everyone to uh, to check out everything you can about Kukulain. He is he is very cool. And uh, don't ask me how to spell it. There are a lot of ch's and like vowels that I don't know where they belong. But that sounds about right. Um, uh, anyway, in addition Ireland. to that, the book of uh, the book of the Secret of Kells is an amazing movie, animated film. I really like. It's one of my all time favorite animated films. So if you like a little bit of Irish animation, that's really a good one to go to. Um, but why are we talking about Ireland so much, even though even though it's, like, around St. Paddy's Day? Can you guess? Wait, it's not, like, is, is there any other reason to talk about the Irish than to be reminded in mid-March? I mean, 
our cocktail tonight oh. is very Irish inspired. Well, yeah, I was okay. I was. I mean, I I assumed all roads lead to St. Patrick's Day, but yes, it is. <laughs> it, it absolutely is. And no, I cannot well, guess the name. I'm going to assume it's Irish something. Ah, well, so for this, it's kind of hard because when I think about St. Patrick's Day, I think about Guinness. I don't think about cocktails. I agree. I I usually think about Irish car bombs, which I very much enjoy. Very mm. good drink. But it's the type of thing where I don't really think about cocktails, I think about beer. And Mm -hmm. so I was thinking about how do we change that? How do we think about a cocktail or anything? And then it kind of struck me, well, why not have something with uh, Irish whiskey in it? I thought that was the best place to start. That's reasonable. So get your bottle of Jameson. I was going to say, uh, Jameson is the the go-to for me. Yep. Uh, although, if you have the chance to try Red Breast, oh, it's such a good, such a good whiskey. Mm, breast, you say? Mm. Yes, yeah, Red Breast. <laughs> Bre- I, was, I was that guy in, like, elementary school who whenever he had sex ed, it's like, oh, they said breast. <laughs> and uh, I never really grew up past that, so uh, nice. Yeah. I, I, will, I will give it a look if I have the chance. But so, it, it is on the pricier side, but it's an amazing whiskey. Uh, and then... Whiskey sours were one of my grandfather's favorite drinks. Like, he absolutely adored them. Mm. And so uh, this is a a slight twist on a classic whiskey sour um, because the original recipe, like, this is very heavy on the citrus in this drink. Mm. So it actually is a bit more. Wait, what goes into Oh, sorry. Go for it. It's called a shamrock sour. Oh, okay. So what goes into a uh, whiskey sour? Because I, I get that confused between uh, that and an old-fashioned, which I know lemon is juice, a lot simpler. Uh, lemon juice or lime juice, depending on your preference, uh, simple syrup, and your whiskey. That's okay. it. Okay. That's, that makes, so that, the one that we have has lemon juice, lime juice, Cointreau, or triple sec, uh, simple syrup, and your Irish whiskey with... A lovely, lovely drop of green food coloring to give it that shamrock color. Yes, much like the. Uh, <laughs> have I explained to you um, the concept of no vegetal? No, you have not. My boys Bennett and Marcello are gonna be cringing in their in their seats when they hear this. But basically, shamrock always makes you think of the shamrock shake. The no vegetal rule is a, uh, the third principle of lifting uh, of bulking, excuse me, where you're not allowed to eat any vegetables, and it's but it's not vegetables, it's vegetal. Vegetal is anything that's green on a molecular level. So the shamrock shake is not vegetal, even though it is green because it's red and blue uh, or green and um, help me, blue and yellow food coloring. So this drink is technically part of no vegetal, so you can uh, drink it as much as you want if you're bulking. Well, there you go. A little bit of everything in this podcast. Here we are. Literally, this is my only vehicle to just, like, talk shit about whatever I want. So I'm going to do it. How about we uh, take I a mean, drink? I mean, how many then? fucks have you said? Like, you've called out so many things. At the end of every episode, you call out something. Can you something. guess which fuck? I've, I've already said it this week. I, I already know what's coming. You know what? We'll wait. Let's let's let's, let's drink it. O- let's take a drink and uh, mull it over. Uh, cheers. Yeah, that's definitely whiskey. Um, yeah, no, that's uh, it's it's pretty good. I like it. I mean, I, I I don't have whiskey sours enough to to know for certain if I you know like it, the differences, but like you know, it's got the good citrus, uh, lemon lime, 
uh, feeling. I don't know. The, the Whitmay I mean, so it's, it's heavy on the citrus because of the triple sec. So you're getting orange as well as the lemon-lime. Yeah, so, you know, giving, giving it another sip or two is... is it's pretty good. I'm not. I'm. I'm. Well, I'm, I'm warming up to it. I like so it. one of the things that I've been studying recently, and really been getting into, is what is it that really causes us to, if you go out on a night out, what's going to give you the worst hangover? Oh God! Are, what have you done to me? <laughs> what are you doing to and me? And one of the things that I came across is that the more sugar you have the worse uh, your hangover is going to be. However, if you have less sugar, the be- better off your head is going to feel in the morning, right? I, I feel like this is going to like about to become a test question for me on uh, sodium glucose importers or it's whatever. It's not. Um, but I, I think I'm following. I think I'm following. So the, one of the yeah. things that I did with this cocktail is, like I said repeatedly, I added Cointreau to reduce the simple syrup in it Mm. so you're getting less sugar and more good good stuff um it it blends it blends well in the sense that i can't taste it over anything else you know it 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 fits well within the uh the lemon and the lime juice with that extra bit of citrus i i you know i i dig it yeah i think it's a really nice blend it's got that tart taste of a sour drink you still gonna get a little pinch of the whiskey. I think it. I think it works well. Oh, that, that, that's a that's all right. Fine drink. You, you got, I, went, I went Scottish. God damn it. <laughs> oh, you went. Yeah, that's all. That's all right. Good drink you got there. Uh, oh, oh, and, this uh, is like even I know that I butchered it, but you, my friend, yeah, well, taking at least it to I don't the next level of butchering. I don't. I don't have any ancestors to insult. So. uh just, just the French ones, and that's okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> speaking of French, um, speaking of French, is this your trans? How are you gonna do this transition? Speaking of French, what? No, I was gonna say, uh, what, what is today's uh, topic, Jesse? Are we returning to the world of uh, criminality and blades in the dark, home to uh, my my wonderful look character? Jean-Luc Chancho. Oh. There we go. That's the transition I was that's, expecting. That's the segue. That's the, yeah, no, I, I had to, a little bit of explanation there. Yeah. Yes. Um, more Blades. More Blades this week. Yes, more Woo. Blades this week. Um, so one of the things that I wanted to really explore, because we've obviously, like, we've done our first initial overview, then we did some character creation, and then we actually played a game. One of the things that I thought was kind of important though is that blades is such a unique setting the city of duskfall is so important to the game in its integrity and i think it's important that we showcase that by talking a little bit about the setting but i also want to talk about like how you can use the setting of duskfall to kind of inspire your own world building and how and some tips that you can take from this book and apply it to whatever RPG you're doing, whether it's a homebrew RPG or it's a classic Dungeons and Dragons or Pathfinder. Mm. Yeah, and what I what I think, you know, when you just mentioned that, I had a you know a little bit of an idea. It was just what I love so much about the way the setting and the game work in uh, Blades is that the the game is so well crafted for the setting, and the setting is so like not unique, but 
Well, it is unique, but it's um, it, it 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 feels like this game couldn't exist without the setting, and the setting couldn't exist in any other game. Like, well, it, it could, like maybe a cyberpunk version for Shadowrun, but the the combination of steampunk and fantasy elements and criminality and like the dark dealings that you know pervaded into every faction of or factor of life in Duskwall, it, it really feels like this game system could only exist in. A, in a city like this, like Duskwall, and I really, really like that. Well, I yeah, I mean the uh, John Harper, the creator of this game, put so much work into it, to, into the fact of, that we have there's a brief history of the city that you're gonna go into, and all of this is like extra that you don't necessarily have to read, but it can give you some really creative ideas for a game master on how to really make what is given to you really present and vibrant in the storytelling. Right. And it's not the, the section we're talking about on uh, world building and like things about Duskwall. Most of it encompasses what, like less than 50 pages or like 50 or so pages. It's about 50 pages. That's that. I mean, and this book's relatively small uh, compared to, uh, you know, D and D books, but like that's a, there's a lot of content built in here, but there's not so much that it feels like, you know, you're you're being pigeonholed into like, okay, here's how certain stories have to run. Here's how like, no, it's not overbearing to where this... you, you they have to give you a full book to talk about one setting. Right, and it gives you plenty to work with. There's tons of different things to give you inspiration for your own story hooks. Um, t- I love the faction section where they have all the figures and we'll get into that later but like all the people involved where they live where they work what their goals are and their relationships it's super interesting but what immediately stuck out to me is like when when you have the level of not necessarily detail but I, i guess comprehensive world building is the word i'm looking for where every part of literally is broken down in the book every part of society and life in duskfall is spelled out and I, my favorite section by far is what is there to eat in Duskwall and there's two pages of how different classes of people what food is available to them and how it's made and you know, where it comes from and what different like types of food are available and can you know can thrive in this in this situation different areas of the city I, I just love that that's because it's a, that's an important question how do these people eat you know what do they use for energy that's also in here too how do all these weird metaphysics interact with the uh, real world science and how do other you know people in the city manipulate that it's well, uh, one of the things that always we will one of the things that always came to mind for me is that <clears throat> when i first started playing uh and i play with max weekly um it was this idea of this is a steampunk Victorian setting. It was very, it's how Max sold me on it. And the more that mm. I've played it, the more that I'm realizing, actually, n- not really. It's, oh. I, the more that I read and the more that I, like, learn about the, uh, learn about it, it could be England or it could feel more like Venice. And you could have this mm-hmm. very, especially with the way that the, uh, so one of the things they do is they go into this uh, history and through the history, they des- uh, describe how Duskfall evolved into what it is when you play it. And one of the things that really, really stuck out to me is the immortal emperor. And it really hit home for me in terms of my understanding of Latin 
and Roman uh, history in terms of the fact of like the Roman Empire. And when talking about the different areas in and the different cultures and uh, groups of people that are in Duskfall, the main one is supposed to represent the uh, Europe, Eastern and Western Europe. And it is this idea, and although Max in his game specifically targets that group of people more as English, it's really, really engaging to think about it as this is actually a, just another version and continuation of the uh, Roman Empire as it's just continued on. So instead of going in the direction that it did with the fall, no, this is just the rebirth of the Roman Empire with Venice as its main headquarters. And it yeah. that kind of really took a took this into a direction of okay now i really want to dive more into this and dive into how they expand on the science fiction and the fantasy elements of how they're fitting this idea of uh emperors and the wars that actually happen and all of the demons and ghosts that come into it and one of the things that really stood out uh, in terms of, uh, beyond the emperor was this whole war process and everything like that and just the creation of each individual part of the city and how each part of the city is broken down and not we don't always get that when we play with max a lot of the times the story is very the driving factor mm -hmm. i don't like obviously you have a different uh, slightly different experience than i do but with max and like our weekly game we always like plan the setting and he does, he has the the book as the guide but he doesn't necessarily always follow it to a T. He always mm -hmm. kinds of creates the runway and we don't actually get to experience the city as a full city. We get to experience the city as checkpoints. Like this is checkpoint A and we're going to start here, go to checkpoint B. We don't actually get to experience the culture of the city that you really get to see in the book. Mhm. Mm well, I, I mean, to, to to follow up on on that, that is exactly why I love Max's DM style. I think the way he reacts to players and like he he does what I love doing, which is just put the players in an area, say, okay, what do you want to do, and then he builds the, the narrative around that. And yeah, we don't necessarily visit every section of the city or. But it, it feels like we're always driving the story, which I always think is, I mean, it, it makes us feel like it's our story. Oh, no, I, I, I definitely so agree much. with that. I, I, I didn't mean to, I just, I just wanted to, to throw that out I, there. But exactly, I completely I think, agree with but, that, but it's the extended nature of the city and the opportunities within the city that we haven't touched yet. Yeah, I think, and, and the best part about it is that, like, it's not just, you know, folk, I mean, it's heavily inspired by uh you know european history and different set, set or sorry excuse me um <laughs> different countries and nations within europe there's also a great deal of you know different locations and different subsections and hair is particularly covered in like the heritages there are all these different types of people from different inspirations for example uh, you know the middle east with eruvia um being inspired by that the uh Scovlin, which is Nordic very and... Eastern Europe. 
Nordic and well, I thought that was Eastern European. No, that one's Nordic. I forgot. Oh, so I was thinking of something else. But that's but, uh, that's actually uh, one of the things that really drove home for me that this is like an extension of the the Roman Empire, is that they literally went to war with the Goths. They went to war like except, the Romans went. This time they won. The Romans went to war with the Goths, and which is pretty much the Nordic people. If you look at history, the German and Norwegian people, mm-hmm. and it's like oh. Oh yeah, we're dealing with the Roman Empire here. This is very much that, which is interesting to me because we in our game we didn't really experience a lot of the government. We weren't like we interacted with you know people, but I didn't learn much about the immortal emperor or any I never of the knew Lord's until ladies. I did research for this episode that there was an immortal emperor. Right, exactly. It was well, that's that's just the level of like detail certain games can get into you know we start very that might become more of a problem you know more heat and the more like reputation our our gang would get i assume that's more late game stuff but like maybe certain uh parties will focus on you know political espionage espionage and like intrigue in the court and so they'd have be a lot more connected with the 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 regency and i think that's really interesting you know at different it's all about the play style of the of the players and what they are sort of aimed i i agree with that but at the same time i would have loved to know that the person that i'm dating in uh the game is actually a direct servant of the immortal emperor Oh, well, maybe, maybe you should ask. I don't, I'm surprised it never came up on one of your dates. Yeah, I know, right? It, well, the, so <laughs> what I'm referring to is there is um, – so, and this is structured on page – for people following along at home. Open your textbooks I, to page – To page 248. Mm. So in this, it goes mm. through the government of Duskfall. Going from the Lord Governor to the City Council to the Ministry of Preservation to the Magistrates, the City Watch, and the uh, the Inspectors, but then there's this little tiny blurb right under that that says there's an, <laughs> another related institution, the Spirit Wardens, but they serve the Emperor directly and are not an official part of the Duskfall law enforcement. And then it hit me. It's yeah. like, oh wait. I'm dating a spirit warden in the game. Yeah, they're, they're, they're a lot. They're a lot bigger than we think. They're like the uh, the Ghostbuster Black Ops. Uh, <laughs> this is th- which is great. Th- which is really yeah, cool. Yeah, this is know? Seal Team Six getting sent on my ass. Hey, yeah, like literally being possessed by a demon. You know, I, I'm surprised it never came up. But uh, that's that's how it goes, baby. Um, I don't know. I I. <laughs> I Again, I don't know much about this. You're right. I, I didn't learn much about this until researching for this episode. And so it's not yeah, even like... Yeah, it is this thing of when you're playing a game and when you're setting up a game, how much of the original material do you want to use? How much of it do you want mm. it to be whatever the story needs is what you're going to get? Or how much do you want it to be that open world experience where you can walk down the streets and try the different things to eat in game? Do you want to be that heavily immersed in it, or are you looking for more of a story-driven? Well, immersion is definitely, you know, an example of story-driven. Well, I, yes, uh, I guess, but there's there's different levels of immersion that you can feel. When you're playing a game, there is a sense of, okay, I'm going to have scented candles so that you can literally smell that you're in a uh sewer 
and there are people who do that where they're like, all right, let's light this candle. Let's get the sewer smell going. It's going to be amazing. Can our end game be we assassinate the uh, the immortal emperor, prove him wrong? I I don't know. I feel like that'd be a fun a fun. Score. I mean, for us, for our two person organization, I definitely agree with that. Just just strap a bomb to my chest and get me close. <laughs> Let's uh, see how immortal he really is. No, exactly. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It feels to me like wherever, even if you decide to take, you know, your game should take place outside of Duskfall. You will you will lose a lot of the uh, what what really makes the game so interesting the use of plasma energy you know uh, filtered through the like from the blood of these giant ocean creatures and like all you know these demons and the ghost field. This is a civilization that has been built on hunting down Cthulhu as creatures and living off of energy based off of of, of their blood. Yeah, and what was the what the greatest part about it is it that's that to me is that's a sign of great world building is like it the every section of the of the society is sort of integrated and makes sense you know that we it, we know where the energy comes from and that shapes how certain sections of the city are divided and how the the wealth is distributed and who controls what sec what sectors of industry um, I don't know I really I really just feel like we're talking about a lot in. In process. What do we want to? What do we want? Do you talk have about? a favorite section of the city? From what from what Ooh. you've read and what you've played, do you have a, f- a favorite section of the city? Is there something that has popped out to you that you were just like, I didn't know about this, or I knew about this, but and I just really really love it. Yeah, that's a tough one. Because um, I don't actually remember where our campaign is set. So where where were we? So our the for our French ones, when we play with yes. Max uh, regularly, oh, 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 oh. we are in Six Towers as our main location. Um, Six Towers. Okay. Six Towers. If you are wondering, is a formerly rich district now worn down and dilapidated. Um, yes, uh, it is on the western, uh, the eastern side of the city, um, right above, right above Night, Night Market and below Brightstone. It is considered a average, like in terms of, if we were thinking about like Manhattan, how you have the Upper West Side is like super high class, and so that would be similar to White Crown. Wait, is it? <laughs> I mean, that's where Lincoln Center is, and that's kind of like where Fashion Week is every year. The Upper West Side. I'm gonna. I'll, I'll give you this one. I uh, I don't I don't know enough to refute you, but I feel like New York listeners uh, don't 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 yell at me. I didn't do it. <laughs> but it, there is a okay. From my experience, there's a little bit of pretentiousness to the Upper West Side. Uh, it's a bit of pretentiousness to anyone from Manhattan. Oh, yeah, I'm from the city. Oh, no, I mean Manhattan. Everywhere, everywhere else is in the city. Get the <laughs> fuck out of here. It's all New York City. Five boroughs of New York City. Suck my dick. Anyway. Um, Whereas I think that, like, when I was growing up, it would have been um, something like uh, something like the Lower East Side, which was, again, it was it's better off than when my parents were living there. But at the time, it was kind of more mid-ground where it's it's not in its heyday, but it's getting there. Um, and again, mm. this is when I was growing up. This is not today, and it's 
my experience. Um, I'm just giving you a hard time. I know. No, but you're making me think about it, too. Um, (laughs) My... uh... My favorite part of the city probably is the Silk Shore, the uh, the the Red Lamp District, era, the the Red Lamp District. Not just not just because I'm horny. Listen, I I, I, I can have other traits. <laughs> no, but that's literally but what it says horny. in the book. It's the first thing that you yeah, read no, about. This, I, uh, I am, it I is am horny. the Red Lamp District but, and the artist community. So what is it? Yes, are you there for the art, or are you there for the red lamps? Oh, I'm I'm there for the red lamps. But the thing <laughs> is, like that that's me. It's Billy. That's me. The Billy the person. Billy, the the storyteller, is always drawn to, like, I love how much uh, it emphasizes decadence and indulgence and, like, any 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 type of pleasure you, you want, you know, any t- not just what I, uh, you know, immediately think of, but, like, you know, the way that sort of, you know, marketplace would construct itself, like, what can you find there, what, you know, besides physical or, like, food, like, what other kinds of strange pleasures can you find there? Like, and how can you sustain that? What kind of illicit activity is going on, and how well? So this is are they able to hide from the cops? That's the kind of stuff that drives me to to really just figure out how this place works and what stories I can tell in there. This I, I is what that. I love about this book, especially. So it gives you for each section of the city, it gives you landmarks. So it gives you mm-hmm. like four base landmarks about things that you should look out for or be aware of. It gives you details of the scene and the streets. So you actually have an idea of what's going on, what's happening, why is why are these things happening? It gives you notable yeah, I love that. It gives you notable people. And then it gives you my favorite thing. And I think that I've implemented this and I think that anyone who does building uh, like world building of cities or of uh, countries should consider giving a city traits of itself or a section of a city traits so Mm -hmm. like in in this game there's wealth security and safety criminal influence and occult influence and it gives you i love and then and on top of that it also gives you an ability or a little bonus for doing something in this in this part of town so if you were to indulge your vice in Silkshore, you get a D1 next time you take your indulge you indulge your vice there. If you go out of your Which makes if it- you go out of your way to take time to relax in Silkshore, you get a bonus to that. And I think that's incredible. But, it, but it's but it's also dangerous because it's so addictive that you have a higher likelihood of overindulging, which I think is great because it's both a benefit if you if you need it, but also a detriment if you know because it's, it's it's always a risk. Because but it's part of the world building and it, like it integrates with that section of society. I think it's so cool. Um, One of the I love the trade section because it, it just lets you know like it's easy. It's just a quick easy. Okay, like if I need to know this like right now, you know, quickly reference which section is relative to each other in terms of wealth or like oh what's the security like in this one? It's like easy numeric. You know one dot like okay i can i can work with that i love that i yeah i definitely agree um i i think that one of my favorite places the more that i've explored it the more i really like it uh is the docks Mm. i have become a much bigger fan of the docks than i was before partly because uh even though this is mainly the fisher area the big steamships that go hunt and hunt leviathans this is also the tavern brawling spot. If you're gonna go get pissed mm. and go start a fight, this is where you go, and everyone yeah, knows and I, it, so everyone's okay with it. And that's what I love. And this is, 
Sorry, this is this is the this is the place where you see a lot of people singing sea shanties because it's not you know, it's in a coastal city like this that relies so heavily on fish and not only just fish for food but these these ocean demons for for their energy. Um, you'd need a large enough section to like host all the the, the ships and then host the the weary sailors and uh, leviathan punchers. It's not what they're called, but like they punch leviathans. Sailor Jerry's say. here. Oh. Sailor Jerry. Yeah, here. this is um, the tattoo artist area. Like the docks is labeled as the place where the most tattooers are, and I just find that incredible that they took the oh, amount great. of time and detail to say, oh yeah, by the way, you know where all the uh, the tattoo artists are. They're in the docks. That's the best area to get a tattoo. And it makes sense. That's the thing about it is that, like, you know, too much detail can really bog down world building, I feel. Like, if, if you just have every detail plotted out, like, down to the, like, sometimes even, sometimes the blades of grass can be important. I don't know. The agriculture, for sure, and it's in this book. I think... Always ask for consent every... when you're talking to grass. Always, always. Always. Consent, please. Um, but... I think every when it when it makes sense relative to the story of the world and of of the area being world built, it makes it feel so much richer. It doesn't feel like oh, this is you know the fishing city or the the demon you know island. It, it really feels like a place with a history and you know a more complex like set of of societal factors that. It, it, it makes it more complex and interesting, and it it feels like a like an active living world. That's why I love it so much. About I, it. Every book, every book that has you know cities and stuff, like every D and D world building book, has to have something where it's like set the scene. What does this place look like? Because I am like you know. I do my best to piece together what the city is supposed to look like from the landmarks, but sometimes they just say, okay, here's the city. It has this, this, and this. I'm like, well, then what does everything else look like? Is the <laughs> city, like, don't just say it's rich or poor. What does that look like? What are the influences? And so obvious here in the book because they just world built the shit out of it, and I love it. So um, before we go on to our favorite factions, let's take a quick commercial mm. break. Let's do it. I'm sure you've heard that diamonds are a girl's best friend. Well, now demons can be that too. Come down to the jeweled hex to find all the most beautiful crystals that have demon essence trapped inside. Think of the power you could hold with O2 Orchestone, or the beauty you could gain with the Brisby Bahamut Blue. And with such devilish prices, it is worth the possible curse. So come down to the jeweled heads to see what might possess you. Ah, uh, welcome. Please, sit. We have much to discuss. The world around town is that you're looking for a laundering service with a particular skill set. I assure you, my friend, you will find no better place to get even the slipperiest, most persistent stains out of your wardrobe. Here at the Red Thread, there isn't a stain we can't remove. No questions asked, no money down. 
no limitations or scruples, and no pesky ghosts left behind. Satisfaction guaranteed. At the Red Thread, everyone is welcome, and no one is off limits. If you have a stain you'd like removed from your life, visit us at our flagship store in the western end of the night market. And remember, when you need a red thread cut, trust the professionals. Trust Red Thread Laundering Service. So, Billy, would you say that you're more of a underworld, yes. fringe, labor and trade, or institution person? Like me in real life, uh, probably institution. Um, I've been at the same university for close to ten years, so I'm I'm pretty sure that I I have been institutionalized at this point. You've, you've been institutionalized. Already, That's very important. I will be institutionalized soon. Let me. Do you tell need you. a straitjacket? <laughs> I've got a costume one. Oh, don't worry. I have plenty. You have plenty they of straitjackets. No they can no longer hold me. I am too powerful. Um, but yeah, what, uh, what do we, what do you, what do you mean by that, Jesse? What are you, what are you talking about? Well, in Blades in the Dark, you have a section where it's completely devoted to the different factions that exist within Duskfall. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Now this is one of my favorite sections because there are so many, but in a good way. I like the idea, you know, when we, when we talk about our game, um, if we just look at the factions, like, it's so easy for a GM to be like, okay, you know, pull the players. What are they interested in? What do they want to deal with? Do they want to do underworld crime stuff? Do they want to do, you know, political espionage? Or do they want to do, you know, uh, I don't know, Indiana Jones relic recovery and, like, you know, it belongs in a museum type thing. Like, that, you could just tailor which factions you're going to interact with and, like, what you want to focus on uh, so well just based on looking at the – just based on looking at this section. I mean, what the, what's wrong with me? I can't <laughs> so each, uh, each faction in this book has both a hold and a tier. And the tier mm -hmm. represents how powerful they are. And the hold represents where they... Uh, I completely blanked on that. That is completely leaving my train of thought. Yeah, I was going to say, I was waiting for you to, to, to talk about that one, because I don't remember what holds are. Um, <laughs> yeah, I always, like, I, I am completely blanking on it, because it just says W and S, and I completely have blanked on what that means! Is that where the, is that where the, H, where the HQ is? Or? No, because it wouldn't remember. be just W or S to indicate where their hold is. You know, we really, I feel like, you know, we're, we're just... Uh, we're doing oh yeah, we are, we are uh, clearly the people shit. to listen to when you want to hear someone talk about RPGs and have all the knowledge. It's not like I studied Tate took the last three hours to just read up on everything we're talking about before I say it. John Harper, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Please, we love your game. Let us uh, let us interact. With yeah, you, please. Um, what is the whole? Let's move on then, because we don't know. Um... I I I have to look this up now. I'm gonna hold on. Okay, well, in the meantime, I, I don't know. I guess I'll vamp. Um, I just I just realized that Ulf Ironborn is a tier one. You didn't realize that he's a tier one? I didn't know. I thought he was I thought he was so cool. We, we, we interacted with this guy named Ulf Ironborn, and he's this, like, cool, like, Slavic dude. He's just jacked as all hell, holding, just carrying big guns into battle. I'd love him. But, like, you know, tier uh, one. Ah, okay. Got it. 
Yes. yes. Uh, the hold is on the faction ladder next to the tiered numbers is a letter indicating the strength of their faction hold. Holds represent how well a faction can maintain their current position on the ladder. A W indicates weak, and S indicates strong. Oh, that makes sense. So your okay. crew begins at tier zero and at uh, and with a um, S. So you are strong tier zero. So when you look what at the tier list uh, for the factions, now that I have that knowledge that I didn't a moment ago, <laughs> uh so yeah um basically if it's a tier one that is still low on the rank whereas like four is the highest and if they have an s that means they're in a strong position whereas an uh, a w means they're in a weak position so off iron board is part of the un underworld but they are very strong in their position they are ready they could move up at any point Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I was saying, what I like about this, it was, it's funny, is the Underworld and um, institutions have more factions than uh, Fringe and Labor and Trade, but they're all, like, there's a wider range of uh, tiers. There's There are no Tier 1 uh, Labor and Trade or Fringe uh, factions, which I think is interesting. I think. Well, um, I think that's also because, at least for Labor and Trade... Those have been established, and they have been work like at least in the lore, they have been working for a while now. They have taken the time mm. to actually been established in the city of Duskfall, taking the time to do to implement themselves as a necessity. Whereas the underworld, so many things can change in the underworld. Yeah, for sure. Um, God, I just realized the Imperial military is tier six. We might have a harder time strapping a bomb and. Uh... <gasps> Going after you your think? Uh, I, I don't really think, honestly. I'll be I'll be completely honest. Um, I mean, they are yeah, the only tier six. It. Every even the underworld only gets up to tier four. The um, the uh, labor and trade only gets up to tier four, and the fringe only gets up to tier four. Institutions is the only thing that gets up to six, and then even then, it's the imperial military is number six. City Council, Leviathan th Hunters, and the Ministry of Preservation are all fives. Everything else right, is beneath those are all, them. Those are all super critical, like, very widespread, very influential factors. I mean, the Leviathan Hunters are the responsible for basically most of the energy in the in the city. So, of course, they're going to have a lot of backing and influence. Um, do we want to talk about, like, what factions we interacted with? Because we've already mentioned some of them. I'm sure our listeners would love to, to hear more sure. about each of these so i love how much information there is in the faction section it's you know every, each one is only half a page but you get so much good info like where they are where they're located you know what their assets are what their goals are what their current situation is important allies and enemies it's just ah there's so much good here but it's all like it lets it lets itself just be it doesn't tell you what to do with it it just says here are these people here's what they are do something with it do some cool fun stuff you know i love so it. Uh, we, in our game, you have mainly interacted with the Railjacks. Uh, the Railjacks, yes. That's the one that you've made, um, and the Bluecoats. Those were the two that you the dealt with the most. Uh, Railjacks, where, where are they? they uh, the, the, not the Railjacks are in Labor and Trade. They are, they are a Tier 2, and they are weak in their position. Uh, so they're, they're the ones who are in charge of the Railjacks. Yes. Um, basically, the, the shipping and commercial railroad that goes in and out of the city. 
they're very cool. Um, they didn't like when we tried to steal from them, but well, we know, didn't try to defense. steal from them. We tried to steal from the blue coats, but the rail jacks are res- uh, responsible for transport things on their train. So if something gets stolen from the blue coats on their trains, they look bad. They just happen to be there in the way of me and my research. So you know that's. We were that that's that's seven. So the blue coats are basically the cops. Yeah, blue coats are an institution. They are tier three and they are strong in their position. Yeah, yeah. However, they are a incredibly tier, corrupt. Yeah. However, they are incredibly corrupt, and we have taken them down every time that we have gone up against them. Yeah, the people they're, they're they're scary, but like when you know you when you exploit their if, if you really study them and like try to exploit where they're weakest, like that's. You know, it's game over for for them. It's great. No, I love them. Um, we I love fighting against them. Our uh, as a crew, um, not our crew, but uh, the uh, the crew, the French crew. We'll refer to them as the French crew. Oh. Uh, the French crew is rivals against the Crows, uh, which is yeah, in the underground underworld. They are tier two, but they are weak in their position. Um. An old gang with new leadership, known for running illegal games of chance and extortion rackets. Hell yeah, gambling. Game. <laughs> so yeah, they're our current rivals. Okay, um, well that makes. I mean, that kind of makes sense. Yeah. We're we're we deal in business, I guess, that would rival theirs. We went Not against a uh, fake Church of Ecstasy. I love the Church of Ecstasy. Oh my God! And no, it's not because of those reasons. <laughs> I didn't. I that. I did not say anything. I didn't even they're give you a look. Demon worshippers. It's it's a demon worshiping church. Like holy shit, that's amazing. Like, it's so cool. It is. A, so we we went up against uh, Church of Ecstasy. I think in one of our earliest things, where we. Uh, by the way, the Church of Ecstasy is a tier four of the fringe, and they're strong in their position. I mean, nobody knows what that means. They're, hey, they're, hey, hey! I'm uh, just saying, if they're tier four, they're up there. Like they're the highest oh, yeah, on the no. fringe list. They're the they're the state religion. Yeah. Like, of course, they're going to be pre- the, the basically the Dusk Bowl Vatican. Like, it's great. But it's, so they worship demons. So we cool. went up against them. We were contracted by uh, to bring them these very enchanted daggers, pretty much, and we were contacted by the Dimmer Sisters to bring them the daggers first. So we did, because we were more afraid of the Dimmer Sisters, who are known for, like, cursing and hexing people. So we did that, then we went to this false church of the of ecstasy, and gave them the newly enchanted daggers from the Dimmer Sisters, causing a flaming person to erupt, like, a person to erupt in flames... And ravage around the sewers until I got possessed by a demon and was then uh, found the flaming person in the sewers. And the demon left my body and went into the flaming person. Nice. Nice. I mean, uh, <laughs> that's just cool. I mean, I like that. I haven't I haven't interacted with the Dimmer Sisters. They are creepy as all but... hell, especially when Max say, plays them. They're like a coven of... Oh, I love Max's creepy characters. Um, yeah, like the the... The occult. It's like a witch coven. It's like yeah, a, it is know, exactly a that. It is witch a witch coven. coven. I love them. They're great. I can't wait to, uh, to 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 meet them. Maybe one day. Who knows? I don't think we've dealt with. We've dealt a little bit with the servants. Um, 
we have a good relationship with the Dockers, uh, Tier 3, strong in their position. Oh, I remember they, they helped us um, they helped us with, with, uh, with the Railjacks when we pissed them off into stealing their st- uh, stuff and killing one of their guys. Um, I remember that. Yeah, yeah so... Dock workers, basically. Thanks to my character being an amazing talker, uh, we have made, uh, we've expanded our circle into both the dockers and the upper crust of the city and just kind of, you know, perused a little bit uh, and everything like that. So we've made some hey, friends. Hey, the dockers need a place to, to you know, for, for R&R when they're done uh, laboring all day. Yeah. And we're happy to provide. Well, we will be um, once we get, <laughs> once we get that brothel up and running. Oh my god! I went. I just looked. I'm just looking around. I didn't see this one uh, before. The ink rakes. Oh my god! Fucking journalists. Yep. I would love to play uh, something involved with them of you know exposing corruption and uh, just being a, a a militant journalist. Oh, that sounds so. Well, cool. before we get, I I think that's a really good segment into what our NPCs of the evenings are. But yes, before we that do our, that. Our if you have liked this episode and want to hear more like it and hear us talk about more RPGs, you can always please, please, please follow, download our episodes, give us a like, give us a subscribe wherever you can subscribe. Uh, we are, in terms of listening places, you're already listening to us on something, but we are on Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, pretty much everywhere where you can get your podcasts. Yeah, and if you liked what you heard, feel free to drop us a uh, nice review and help bring more people to the to the channel. We appreciate it. And if you uh, feel like you want to help uh, help us keep the lights on and be you know creative and 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 give a give back content and get some cool content of your own, uh, feel free to check out our Patreon where we uh, have our custom newsletter and our homebrew of, of the weeks and the drink recipes and all that fun stuff so give that a look if you have the chance thank you so much to our to our patrons currently who are helping us keep things yes running. thank you so um, much like us on facebook on twitter on instagram where you get all the the juicy updates and maybe an occasional tweet every every once in a while i did tweet last week i did it i'm gonna tweet again this week um finals finals man finals don't finals, worry finals. billy you there. got finals there. i got video projects we we both busy i get it it's okay. I've been drawing though, so I can I can put that up too. Um, yeah, I guess uh, that just leaves one last section, huh? Yeah. So we have designed NPCs to interact with within the city of Duskfall. Yes. What uh, I made... is your NPC or two? You have two. Good. Uh, yeah, I got two because I wanted to make up for the fact that I make up for my lack of knowledge in other areas with. You know, creating, creating an extra extra cool character. All right, so, then you um, do one, I'll do one, and then you do your other. Sure thing. Uh, so I'll start with one. Let me find the... the. I was looking through the factions, and I was thinking, like, okay, I want to make a character, but I don't really know who they're, who they're allied with, like, what their deal is. Um, and I found one of the factions that sort of stuck out to me was the Lost. Um, they're a group of street toughs and ex-soldiers dedicated to protecting the downtrodden and the hopeless. I like that a lot. Um, they operate mostly in Coleridge and Dunslow, which is the, like, the laborer, the low, the, the poverty, the impoverished sections of the, uh, city. And I created the idea of a guy named Edwin Werner. Um, pardon my, my German, but, um, Werner. 
like uh like like Werner, but you know. Uh, Are you AKA Werner in the, the Vernon? Captain. I'm. I don't even. I. Yes, maybe. <laughs> Sounds like it hurts. Um, or otherwise known as the Captain. I I got the idea of this sort of shadowy, like secretive street tough who just cracks down, cracks a couple of heads whenever he sees you know the peasantry or the the. The downtrodden being abused, maybe by the the blue coats, uh, someone working sort of like a like a vigilante, so to speak, nice. um, to keep people from being being manipulated. And he lost one of his arms during uh, in service, and now he has a cool mechanical sort of st- steampunky uh, arm, which I think is just a cool thing. I, I, I love it. I think he's probably going to be a cutter or a slide. I'm not really sure. Um, either one really works. A cutter with a couple of points in uh, in prowl or something like that would work but you know i think so i I don't know i think i think he's someone who could give quests he's someone who could uh you know recruit a character he could even join a crew um if he decides that teaming up with other people he's probably i mean anyone who works with the lost is probably going to be an ally of him but i i like i like that idea of this you know basically cyberpunk no cyberpunk steampunk batman um who definitely does i'm the captain I am the captain now. You never give it to an ordinary citizen. Where's the trigger? Where is? I still liked that movie. Interesting. <laughs> you know, it, it's. Do you believe Leviathan is. Blood? Oh no, that that movie also was just terrible. Hey, the um, new I, one's uh, coming out. I think it's out now. I'm. It's it's almost out. I think it's coming out uh, two days. Two days. Snyder cut. Hey, you know. It will be out by the time of be, this release. At least it'll be honest. Um, I didn't like Justice. I Snyder didn't either, but I'm that. really hoping I like the Snyder Cut. Me too. I, I hope it'll give me some some <laughs> some reason to like Zack Snyder again. Anyway, uh, who's your NPC? Uh, give me the rundown. Uh, so mine is Liliano Di Sisto. Um, okay. So the way... I like, I like that name. Yes. Very good name. Um, so the way ghosts work in blades in the dark is it's very much a haunted city and there are different levels of um different levels of ghosts you have your echoes which are just creatures that go uh ghost entities that do a loop of what they were previously doing before they died uh you have specters who are malevolent malevolent spirits seeking to possess victims you have horrors which are just ghost energy monster demon things would, Love those. Uh, you have spirit wells, which are rifts of v- rifts in of the veil of the of reality, where ghosts and other supernaturals congregate and draw their energy. Portals. And then there are the reconciled. These are ghosts who know that they're ghosts and are completely sane and uh, have a full understanding of that they're just ghosts. Um, they don't seek vengeance, and they're just there. And so uh, Liliano is uh, a reconciled. She is not belong to any particular faction. However, she is trying to evade the spirit wardens because they just see a ghost of like her and think that we need to get rid of this. It's a problem because they're not mm. supposed to be any form of ghosts in, in Duskfall. So right. she's on the run yes. from the spirit wardens and thus... Uh, well, if you aid her in evading a spirit warden during a during an operation, um, she will help you in future ones. That's really cool. I like that. Maybe they could end up 
forming some kind of bond with a uh, with a whisper or someone else who deals in the occult. Yeah. Um, that's cool. I like that. I didn't. I, I didn't think about that. I just. Oh, sorry. Drop the thing. Um, I always, I always just started with the factions just because of how how much I loved getting drawn into the different interpersonal conflicts. But I, I like that. Oh. All right, you got one more. I am losing my my goddamn mind. I keep bumping everything. Um, anywho, the last one I got, I'll keep it quick. Is just another. Uh, remember when I said Indiana Jones? Well, this is basically female Indiana Jones, but um, is a NPC from the Circle of Flame. Let me pull up what the Circle of Flame does again, because I remember they were really really cool. Um, they are basically a secret society. Actually, no. This is this is like evil Indiana Jones. Um, evil Indiana Jones. Uh, the Circle of Flames, a secret society that basically like uh, looks for like antiques and like ancient artifacts um, to keep for themselves or for you know for new, a number of possibly nefarious uh, uh, purposes. And so the NPC I thought would be a great person, uh, you know, a, a point of contact for the Circle of Flame is called Chessa Velki. Um, she is likely a Whisper class uh, character who is basically, you know, like I said, evil Indiana Jones. She goes and steals uh, artifacts from either museums or before they can be brought in to the city um, to help further along her goal. And I don't, I don't know why I thought of this. I just like I really liked the idea of like having a long red coat, like a like a suit jacket with tails, like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Just I don't know. I was just that was a, it was what came to mind. Clothing your plays a lot. Yeah, clothing plays a lot into uh, blades. I feel because you can have a lot of interesting fashion choices. I don't know if we've. I don't know if there's a section on that in the book. Probably there isn't. That <laughs> for fashion, there is not. Oh well. Uh, Let's make know. one. Oh God! I just, Let's do an episode sorry. on fashion for uh, for art. Uh, like I. Let's do an episode oh, on no. fashion for um, RPGs. I really want to do it. If you, if, you, oh, if you think I know what the fuck I'm talking about, then you, we, we will find out during the fashion. Honestly, actually, I think that could be really fun is like a, uh, like a D&D character design because I've gotten a lot of art done of my characters. And like I've learned a lot about like what makes a good character design from having to think about, okay, what do they actually look like and looking at a character. Okay. You've convinced me. Yeah. If this is nothing other than an excuse for me to just talk about my fucking commissions that I spend ridiculous amounts of money on, but it's worth every cent. Support your local artist. Um, Do it. (laughs) Cool. Cool. That's, that's, that's what we got. Um, Yeah. Thank you all for listening. Thank Uh, you for joining me, Billy. Thank you, as always, for having me, Jesse. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. Uh, Until next time, fuck France. Fuck!